Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991. To Boston, Bloomberg 1200. To San Francisco, Bloomberg 960. To the country, Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning. I'm Michael McKee, along with Tom Keene at 730 on Wall Street. There is news other than the Federal Reserve today. Deutsche Bank's co-CEO, John Cryan, at an investor conference in London, says the bank will not be profitable this year. Um, he says we may make a small profit, we may make a small loss, we don't know, but plan on not making money. Deutsche Bank shares trading in Frankfurt down by 5.3% right now. Deutsche Börse and London Stock Exchange Group agreeing to merge. LSE's equity holders will own 45.6% of the enlarged group. Deutsche Börse stockholders get the remaining 54.4%. Peabody Energy may not have enough liquidity to continue as a going concern, exploring options for other capital, the company says in a 10K filing. It also may seek bankruptcy protection. Now let's check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world headlines. Thank you very much, Michael. President Obama plans to name his Supreme Court nominee today. Bloomberg Radio will carry the president's announcement live at 11 a.m. Wall Street time. Republican senators have promised to block the nomination. For now, it's four states for Democrat Hillary Clinton and three states for Republican Donald Trump after yesterday's primaries. Clinton's victories over Bernie Sanders were in Florida, Illinois, Ohio, and North Carolina. But the race between them is too close to call in Missouri. Trump won in North Carolina, Illinois, and Florida, beating Marco Rubio in his home state. Ohio Governor John Kasich won in his home state. too close to call in Missouri. After losing in his home state of Florida to Donald Trump, Senator Marco Rubio announced he is suspending his campaign. I want to congratulate Donald Trump on his victory, a big victory in Florida. No, 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 no. No, no, no. He, uh, no, guys, this, we live in a republic and our voters make these decisions and uh, we respect that very much and it was a big win. Washington, D.C.'s entire subway system has been shut down for the day for an emergency safety inspection causing commuter headaches. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike? Thank you, Michael. Time now for the Ray Katina Auto Group Bloomberg NBC Sports Update with Rob Bushka. Good morning, Mike. The Rangers have some company in the Metro Division. They don't have to look far to find it as the Islanders fell short 2-1 to one at Pittsburgh, but in a shootout. So they picked up a point. They moved into a tie for second place in the Metro Division, which suits Islanders coach Jack Capuano just fine. I thought we matched up real well for three periods. Obviously, they, they hemmed us in, and over time they had seven shots. The game was pretty much even, you know, for that point. The power play struggled early, but got us the big goal when we needed. So I'm real proud of the guys and the effort they put forth. You come into this building against a really high-quality team on a back-to-back night with a lot of travel, and we come out with the point, and we lose the skills competition. The Rangers look to answer tonight as they skate in Anaheim at 10.30. March Madness tipped off Tuesday in Dayton. Fairleigh Dickinson lost in the East Region matchup to Florida Gulf Coast 96-65. to Wichita State beat Vanderbilt 70-50 to in the South Region. Nets beat the Sixers 131-114. to The Knicks, they were idle. They do have their hands full tonight, though. The Knicks play at Golden State at 10.30. In Grapefruit League, despite David Price fanning six Yankees, New York beat the Red Sox 6-3. to and the Mets edge the Marlins 8-6. That's your NBC Bloomberg Sports Update. Mike? 
Thank you very much, Rob Bushka. We should mention, we haven't talked about this today, but uh, oil prices have caught a little bit of a bid. West Texas Intermediate up 2% right now, 37.09. Brent is at 39.47. That's a 1.9% increase. We'll see if it has any impact on equity markets today. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. I'm Michael McKee, along with Tom Keene. Fed Day, also the day the president's going to announce a new Supreme Court nominee, and we've got certainly a lot of political results over the last 24 hours. We'll talk about those a little bit later in the program with Greg Valle of Horizon Investments. Right now, we're not seeing any movement in the markets ahead of the Fed. S&P futures are flat. Dow futures are flat. NASDAQ futures are flat. Everybody wants to know what Janet Yellen is going to do, it appears, before we trade today. Anastasia Amoroso would like to know what Janet Yellen is going to do today. She's a global market strategist on the J.P. Morgan Fund's Global Market Insights team. Um, but uh, not only do you want to know, but you have to guess in advance because that's what they pay you to do. Um, I presume you're in the camp of uh, suggesting no movement and we all got to watch the statement. Well, that's right. I guess I'm in the camp where the markets are, which is there's very little probability of a rate increase this time around. But at the same time, I think we will be very carefully watching the statement. We'll be very carefully watching the press conference. One thing that went missing in the January statement is the assessment of the balance of risks. That's how challenging the situation was where the Fed couldn't even comment on whether the risks were balanced due to the downside or the upside. So what I'm watching for is does Janet Yellen acknowledge that some of this manufacturing slowdown is translating into some of the service slowdown or does she look past that? The other thing I'm going to be watching is, of course, the infamous dots. You know, how does the Fed expect the rate hikes to evolve? Why do you watch the dots? Everybody knows the Fed dots don't correlate to what actually happens. They change them all the time. Yeah. They're also not a consensus forecast, even though the market takes yeah. them that way. Why don't you just tell your clients, <laughs> ignore the dots? You know, Mike, that's a really good point because you're right. The, the f- good point for Mike here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's a good point because the Fed, all it does, it seems, is catching up with market expectations. But it nevertheless, it's helpful to know how the Fed is reprising their assessment of the economy. And I think what the Fed is having to do is, well, first of all, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place because if they don't raise rates, they risk having inflation that is rising faster than objective. If they do raise rates, they risk having the dollar rise faster than the objective. So I think what the Fed is coming to terms with is, Yes, the inflation data, the wage data is warranting some rate increases, but those rate increases are going to be have to be so gradual because in this world of policy divergence, it turns out that you can't have a whole lot of divergence. Well, I mean, do you have the European Central Bank, you have the Bank of Japan going to negative interest rates, the Fed raised interest rates, and the dollar got weaker, not stronger. Yeah, a lot of it was baked in. And also, you know, it got weaker versus the yen. It got weaker versus the euro. But one thing where we're still looking for the strength of the dollar is relative to a lot of the emerging market economies. Yes, oil caught a bid here, and that has been in. So did the rest of the commodity complex. So that was a big help to the commodity currencies. But still, if the Fed hikes, I think you're back to the proposition where the dollar may not strengthen a lot, but it should strengthen some. You you can't have this interest rate differential and not have a market reaction. 
Or can you? Let me ask you this. Uh, it, this. It's kind of a crazy world out there these days. The old rules don't seem to apply. Every time we think we know what's going to happen, something else happens different. Do you and the rest of the people on your team ever sit back at the end of the day and go, I really don't know whether I'm right or not because we don't know what's going to, you know, the models aren't working. We constantly have to challenge, of course, our expectations. And I think the dollar has been a big one. The consensus, as you know, headed into this year that the dollar was going to strengthen. Well, instead, it pulled back by two or three percent. I guess my counterpoint to that is it's still early in the year. It's still March and it's still very much possible the Fed will have some catching up to do. But, yes, to your point is we're constantly having to challenge and reassess those projections. What's uh, your projection now for end of 2016 federal funds rate? Well, I think the Fed is giving us a very optimistic scenario. We expect they will pull back those dots, not from four to three rate increases. We think that's really still very optimistic. That's if everything goes exactly right. As we just talked about, not everything is going to go exactly <laughs> right. And I think two rate increases is our best case scenario. We do expect a rate increase in June and perhaps towards the tail end of the year. You know, why June? Why not March? Why not, not April? It is because I think what the Fed is wanting to see is all these measures that the ECB has now thrown out there, all this continued quantitative easing from Japan and easing from China, will that actually translate into some tangible economic results? It's too early to tell now since last week, but maybe right. we'll see in the next few months. Rich, put Anastasia down for an appearance in June. We're going to hold her to this. We'll come back with Anastasia Amorosa from uh, J.P. Morgan. Uh, right now, though, we want to check in with Bob Moon because the NJIT STEM report is along here, and it's brought to you by the New Jersey Institute of Technology, partnering with government and industry to apply the university's world-class research assets to innovate and spur economic growth. Learn more at njit.edu. Here's Bob. Michael, here's what's making news in Science, technology, engineering, and math. Apple took a final swing at the Justice Department ahead of their first courtroom face-off over whether the company must help investigators unlock an iPhone used by a terrorist gunman killed in a police shootout. In its latest court filing, Apple urged the court to reject government overreaching and zealously guard civil liberties even in the face of a highly charged and emotional case. Like it or not, Instagram, the Facebook-owned photo-sharing app, is rearranging posts in its user feeds using an algorithm tuned to make sure people don't miss what the company thinks is most important to them. And Spoon Rocket, one of the first food delivery startups to sell meals cooked in its own kitchens, shut down its operations. Nobody was biting. The company failed to raise funding. That's this morning's Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Mike and Tom. Bob Moon, thank you very much. Good thing Tom was out of the room because that whole Facebook algorithm on the news drives him crazy. We'll ask about that maybe when he comes back. This is Bloomberg Surveillance on Bloomberg Radio Worldwide. Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by SCNB, the bank for businesses on the move. Are you looking for the right banking partner? Go to scnb.com to learn more. Now open in Long Island City. Get your business moving with SCNB. 